Welcome to the NextGen Work Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Ross. I help leaders support working parents so that they can recruit and retain the best people. Join me as I interview experts and provide insights into the struggles that parents and caregivers face in the workplace. Learn how your business can become a place where parents feel included, supported, and valued. Being a family-friendly business isn't just a nice-to-have anymore. For the next generation and those that are raising them, it is critical. In this special bonus episode, I am talking to Christy Yates, the author of Building a Legacy of Love, Thriving in the Sandwich Generation. Christy is an expert in supporting caregiving families. She incorporates mindfulness along with other evidence-based practices to support wellness for the whole family. She retired in 2021 after 20 years as a school psychologist. In California, she is a licensed educational psychologist. She's an author, a speaker, and a consultant. And I'm excited to talk to her today about the struggles of the sandwich generation, which is people who are stuck struggling to balance caring for their children as well as their aging parents or loved ones at the same time. I hope you enjoy this talk. All right. Hi, Christy. So thank you so much for coming on to Playgrounds and Paychecks with me today. Um, Can we get started? Will you just tell the listeners a little bit about you and what you do? Absolutely. Thank you, Courtney. I'm so glad to be here. Um, So I am a licensed educational psychologist, and I have been working in schools for a long time as a school psychologist. I retired in 2021, right at the time that um, a book I wrote about living in the sandwich generation was published. And now I'm retired. I still do work uh, as a licensed educational psychologist. I sometimes work with parents um, about IEPs and and, uh, individual education plans and Um, school issues. But I also do a lot of work with companies and communities around the caregiving that happens when we're raising children and now find ourselves having to care for our parents on some level. So that's the sandwich generation. And that's sort of my sweet spot. And I came to this because while I was a school psychologist working full time in a in a tough job um, and a, a job I love, but it's high, it's a lot of pressure and, it, and it's a lot of work. And I also had two teenagers at the time, tweens and a tween and a teen. And then eventually they were both teenagers um, at a time when I just, I sort of discovered my parents needed help from me. And uh, it turns out my dad, um, my dad had had a stroke in his early sixties, but by the time he was late seventies, he was really, um, into a level of vascular dementia. Um, so mm-hmm. really, which manifests in a lot of different ways. Uh, for him, it was more like reasoning. It was hard for him to stay in a conversation, that sort of thing. It wasn't the sort of short-term memory loss, which you find with other kinds of dementias. And my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So she did have the short-term memory loss and um, lots of confusion and some other things. So I had two parents, both my parents with, um, some level of dementia and uh, my husband and I were there to do some of the management of that care. My parents had done a lot to really prepare for their old age. Um, So that's part of what my book is about. My book is called Building a Legacy of Love, Thriving in the Sandwich Generation. And my pitch to people is, wow, have these conversations early and often and really prepare 
because I felt like they gave me a huge gift. They had end of life um, wishes stated very clearly. They had purchased um, an insurance policy that paid for um, healthcare and um, long-term care. So they wanted to go if they needed to, because when they took this policy out, they were probably in their um, mid fifties and they did not want to live with my brother or my sister or me. They wanted us to have our own families and our own lives. So they prepared for themselves to be able to go to assisted living. And when the time came, um, I was given power of attorney over their finances and over their health care. And I was the one that had to shepherd them into assisted living when they were ready for that. And so that's really what my book is about. And that's why I felt like that was the gift of love that they gave me that I didn't have to ask a lot of questions and worry I could sort of and that's not to say it wasn't hard because it was terribly hard oh, and yeah. um and then and then the, yeah, how that impacted me as a parent and that's something that I felt like has not been talked a lot about when we talk about sandwich generation and caregiving we focus on the older person which we need to for sure absolutely yeah but, but it definitely impacted how I showed up as a parent. Um, I was more stressed out. What happens when you're stressed out? For me, I don't know about anybody else, but I get a little irritable. I get a little short-tempered. I might not have had as much time. I had to make choices I never thought I'd have to make. Yeah. Um, and so becoming aware of that um, was my turning point and thinking about I am parenting my kids as teenagers, but I'm also preparing them for what what's life going to be like for them when I'm older, you know, and yeah. do I have, I, yeah, have my husband and I had our conversations around end of life. And do we know what we're going to do? And, and then also, how am I showing my kids what compassion really is? And so yeah. really shifting sort of my my mindset around that was sort of what my book is about. And um, that's what I've been doing talking to a lot of groups about that kind of thing. Yeah, well, that's, that's great. I, I mean, you're talking about, you know, being stressed out and a little short tempered. And I imagine, you know, you had two teenagers and we all know teenagers have short fuses sometimes too. And so I'm right. sure that that was a difficult, like, you know, time to, to get through and figure out yourself. So it's great that you're helping other families and um, caregivers figure that out hopefully a little bit easier or even before <laughs> they get in the trenches, you know, um, it's one of those things that you need to talk about before you're there. Really? Absolutely. And, and the thing is, is our teenagers need us. They just need us in different yeah. ways. And so part of what was, what was, I think great for me is I had a little bit of insight into just children and human development being a school psychologist. And I worked in high schools and I worked in middle schools. So I kind of knew what they were, <laughs> what they were up against in a little bit, yeah. uh, in a little way, but, um, but they're still my kids and I saw them differently than, you know, than maybe somebody, you know, a clinician yeah. might see them. And so it's, it's important to be present for your kids in different ways. Um, they were wonderful. My kids are incredibly, I, I feel like, being a part of this was really hard on them. And yet mm -hmm. they came out of it with so many gifts. They loved my parents very much. They were wonderful with them. I was so moved seeing how they interacted with my mom in particular with, you know, having to answer the same question five times. Yeah. And yeah. It was, 
they just answered it. You know, there was never yeah. like, oh, grandma, they were kind, they were compassionate. And I realized that empathy and action is what compassion really is. So somehow in, in raising our kids, my husband and I really taught them a lot about empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. And then it was put to use and it was great. But also it's about, um, and I didn't always do this well, but like so we, all t- we all talk about self-care in parenting and we talk about it in um, caregiving. And sometimes it's really important to realize your kids need to also know what your boundaries are as a way to learn how to set them themselves sometime, you know? Yeah. So, so I really had to learn to take time for myself, even if it meant I wasn't doing something for them or with them. Yeah. But when they, when I could have conversations around, here's why I need to, you know, take a few hours off today. I need yeah, to just no. get out of the house and go. And it's not you, it's, it's, I need that space. And they were like, we got it. We got it. You know, but that was great for them to see because then they can learn to set those boundaries. And so wellness and self-care can be a family affair that we learn in real life, you know? Yeah, so that's, that's great. Sort of we've, we've kind of had that talk with like my three-year-old. I didn't really consciously think about this, but you know, we were going out for a night with friends a few weeks ago and we don't do that very often. So mm-hmm. we had the babysitters coming over and he's like, where are you going? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know how you get to go play with your friends every day? We don't do that very often. Yeah. So we're going to go spend time with our friends tonight, right. you know? And he's like, oh, okay. You know, he's three. He doesn't care. He's having fun with the babysitter. But now that you say that, I'm like, oh, we're we're kind of setting an example there. You are. You you get your play date. Teenage and like tweet and teenage kids and older kids that can kind of comprehend that. Like that's, yeah. I can see the importance of that for sure. Yeah. So like, how do you balance it? You know, if you're stuck in this sandwich generation, like situation, you realize your parents are starting to need you a lot more. Uh, how do you balance, you know, working and finding time for kids and parents? Wow. Yeah. That's the million dollar question, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I wish I had a formula and I could say, boom, boom, boom. And I, I, I don't, what I have are mm-hmm. some, some thoughts and guidelines and a framework and my, my framework that I look at is it's important for you to have some clarification for yourself. And if you're in a partnership, a marriage or a partnership of some kind, uh-huh. uh, or even if you're a single parent, what be really clear on your values and what do you need for yourself? What, what do you want for your life? So be clear about that. That's not selfish. That's just clarity. It's really important. Yeah. Be clear too around your values around your parenting. What what are you wanting to how are you wanting to show up for your kids, right? And sometimes we lose ourselves in parenting and we think it's all about our kids, but it does have to be about you too at times. Mm-hmm. And so taking that time is really important. So this values work is really important. And be clear about what your role or what where you want to go and what what you're about in that caregiving role for an aging or ailing person, um, because we can get lost in that too. Yeah. And so when you can take some time and it's that like time is precious, I know that. And we don't often think about these things until we're in it. Mm -hmm. If I could say anything to anyone, it would be 
when everything's going great, that's a great time to take just like 30 <laughs> minutes and write some of this out because you're going to think a lot clearer when you're not under the gun. Yeah. But if you do, you find yourself under the gun, have, have a moment to come up with those, those values that you cherish, right? Yourself, yeah. your family, your, your parent or, or what have you. Um, because that's going to be your North star, your guiding light, right? You have to think about those things and then you can set up some systems around you to support you so when i say systems i mean things like build your team you know yeah communicate with other people who are you you have people out there that you can work with right your parent if it's a parent or an aging loved one or an ailing loved one there may be physicians and um, health providers that you're interfacing with get to know them understand what their role is and lean on them when you need to um and the same thing for your kids. If your kids are uh, enrolled in a school, your school system has people in place that you can lean into. Um, schools don't know what's going on at home until you tell them. But I can tell you this. Right. I can tell you this as a, as a school professional. What happens at home comes to school. It Absolutely. comes to school. It comes to school in behavior. It comes to school. And I don't mean bad behavior, just behavior. It's that's how kids communicate. That's how people communicate. And honestly, <laughs> I can tell you that people with dementia communicate when they've lost that ability to actually say what's going on um, really well, their behavior is going to tell you what's going on. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, as a you know, professional and educated person, my behavior told everybody what was going on too. So we communicate with yeah. our behavior, right? So, but what happens at home comes to school. And so it's important um, at, if you can and you feel comfortable is to lean into that. So I might, here's a, here's a prime example. When my, um, my, my dad died uh, in July of 2015 and my mother died in September of 2015, so seven weeks apart. My mm. son had just gone off to college. So it was my husband, me, and our, and our um, daughter who was a sophomore in high school. And she yeah. really was close to my mom and she was struggling, but I wasn't able to be fully present to her because I was just encased in an enormous amount of grief at this point and, and exhaustion. And I had taken some FMLA time to just be able to get my my bound my 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 footing again. Yeah. But yeah. I know that she could have used a lot more support. I know now, but she didn't feel like she could lean into me and say, "Hey, mom, I'm really hurting." And I remember I asked her at that time, "Hey, honey, do you need me to? Should I call the counselor at school and let him know what's going on?" She, "Oh, no, 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 don't do that." Yeah. Now, when I was writing the book, I said, honey, I want to talk about this. Are you okay with me including this? And she said, yeah. And I said, thinking about it now, do you think I should have called the counselor anyway? She said, oh, yeah, you should have called the counselor anyway. <laughs> I'm like, see, I wish I had just gone with my instinct. Yeah. But I wanted to respect her as a, a young as a young person. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I didn't want to be the controlling mom who took it all out of her hands. but thinking back now, it's like she could have used that support. Yeah. And uh, we all got through it really well. She's wonderful and fine now, but she needed more than I was able to give to her. And that's normal. There wasn't anything wrong with me. I was in a grief process that was enormous and she needed help. So, we, you know, I, I 
could have done a better job there. And that's what I would say to parents is lean into the school when you have things going on. Um, because teachers can then understand, oh, this is why homework is not being completed. Oh, this is why absenteeism is happening. What can we do to support you? Um, there, are a lot, there are a lot of children out there that are giving care to a sibling who might have a disability, to a parent who might have a disability, to um, a grandparent or a great-grandparent, and that impacts their academic work as well. And so schools that have resources and they might be able to, to help, but it could be neighbors who help you with carpool to soccer practice or um, yeah. that kind of thing. And so building your team is really important when you can learn how to ask for the help you need. Yeah, I think um, in like all things parenting, communication is key. <laughs> and, you know, we've talked about earlier in the season, like having that open communication with your partner and being able to uh, lean into them. But, you know, the school needs to know what's going on too, or daycare or, you know, whoever right. your kids are with during the day, right. um, you know, just yeah. let them know what's happening. And, right, right. Because it, they, they can't help your kid like, you know, if it's all a mystery to them. And like you said, exactly. things may be coming up in behaviors and it sometimes that might not be good behaviors. Um, and they may be finding themselves in trouble a lot and, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of compassion and understanding from the teachers and school right. administrators and, you know, everybody there could certainly right. be helpful. <laughs> um, oftentimes as a school psychologist, I would I, I always attended at my elementary schools what are called student study team meetings. So a child might be, it could be called by a parent, it could be called by a teacher, but it's usually a child that's struggling on some level academically. And we look at everything. We, we At least that's how I ran those meetings. And we looked at everything and I'd always ask, is there anything different at home? Is there anything changed at home? Yeah. Is there anything going on? And I can't tell you how many times I heard things like, well, my my grandmother died last month and she was the caregiver for my kids when they were my when they were my babies and i think it's really hard on them wow okay we've got grief going on here how can i connect this child to some grief work how can i help the parent find grief resources for themselves and for their child um so there's that's a clue right there it could be something like well my dad just moved in with us and he's got stage four colon cancer oh wow that's kind of a big thing. Let's think about what yeah. we could do to support, you know, how, what kind of support are you getting at home? How does this change things? And then looking at what accommodations or modifications or, and sometimes it's just understanding this is what's going on. Maybe this child needs, you know, an extra hello or an extra, how you doing today? Or um, yeah. a little bit more relationship time with that teacher. Uh, so there's things that we can do in high school, kids that are doing caregiving, what can we, they might not be able to participate fully in group projects or extracurricular uh -huh. activities. What can we do to modify that so that they can still have their academic needs met and get the emotional support they need yeah. for some things. So there, yeah. there are things we could talk about. I was a teacher and an example comes to mind of a student I had in the last year that I was teaching. Um, it was in high school general music class and I had assigned a, a project that he didn't get finished during class time. So, you know, the assumption was they would take it home. And he, he came to me and was like, you know, he was just very open with me, Miss Ross. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this tonight. My dad is dying of cancer and I am taking care of him in the afternoons after football practice. And yeah. I'm like, okay. 
that's yeah. fine. Yeah, <laughs> I will yeah. give you more time to do it tomorrow. Like, I'm so glad you came and told me this because I had no idea that that was going exactly. on at home. Exactly. And unfortunately, his dad actually ended up passing away in the middle of that semester too. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, just that I knew that as a teacher, yes. that I knew what he had been going through all semester. Like, I was able to, you know, give him a little more flexibility when he needed it and just check in with him because it was the first morning class yeah. I had him you know 8 a.m so I just check in with him in the mornings like hey how you doing Absolutely. this morning or how are things going or just a little bit of extra love you know yes can go a that's long beautiful way. yeah that's beautiful so, that's great Courtney yeah, that's that's exactly yeah yeah they just yeah. The, the teachers you know and people at school usually can and will help they just have to know Exactly, exactly. And we, you know, we all want to keep our personal stuff to ourselves and that I totally respect that. So this may be hard for a lot of people there. Sometimes there are cultural issues that invade that, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in a lot of um, in a lot of cultures multi-generational living is the norm, right? So grandma and grandpa are going to live with us. And of course, we're going to be taking care of them. And so they might not talk about sandwich generation. What's that? This is just normal. Um, In other cultures, it's like, no, grandma moving in, that's a big thing. You know, we got to change rooms. We got to do So there's, it's just being aware that we may not know fully what's going on in someone's home. And Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, checking in is important. Yeah. So you've talked about, um, you know, some kids or children having to take care of parents or aging loved ones. How can you, as a parent, purposefully involve your kids in, you know, helping take care of grandma, grandpa, or whoever it happens to be? Um, and, you know, with a purpose and right. with some life lessons out of it. I think what's important is making sure, because right now, I mean, it's so expensive to have in-home care. So I understand why people are needing to do this. So there's nothing wrong with it. It's not, um, it doesn't really rise to the level of child abuse unless a child isn't able to go to school, isn't able to take care of themselves, and no one's taking care of them, right? (laughs) Then we're looking at a whole nother level of neglect. But on a day-to-day level... Um, it can be a really wonderful way to have a relationship with an older person that you love. And, and you know, maybe this isn't somebody that you're like crazy about, you know, I mean, that happens <laughs> too, right? Yeah. So we have to be aware of how is it impacting our children when they're doing certain things. But things that could be really important could be helping out around the house so that you have more time to do any kind of medical Thing that a child needs that, that the patient or you know, the older person might need, right? So maybe somebody uh-huh. who, who has home dialysis, um, it, that might not be the first thing I'd hand off to my child, um, right. <laughs> not, without, <laughs> not without a lot of instruction, um, yeah. uh, cleaning trach tubes or something and thinking of somebody who's ha- has a, um, uh-huh. is, is paralyzed or something might, might have need a breathing tube. Um, changing oxygen tanks, all these things might be things eventually a child, a young adult, um, teenager might be able to do with proper training. So that could yeah. be something that you look at. But honestly, I would say, what are the things around the home that they could help out with so that you're available to do that? Um, and it could be something really nice, like maybe uh, you sit with a grandparent or an older person and 
you're doing your homework and you share with them what you're doing. That's a great way for children to complete any work they need to do, but involve yeah. someone else to, to the extent that that other person is able to be involved or mm -hmm. listen. Um, many times a senior might want to be read to, and that's a great way to interact. Even someone with dementia, that's a, that's a lovely thing. They love to hear that and be involved and, and be read too. And so that could be something that, that happens. Um, it could be things like uh, helping someone eat, you know, getting their meal ready, eating with them. It could be household chores like the laundry or something like that. So there are a number of things that kids can do. What's important is to check in with children who are doing any level of caregiving. How are things going at school? Do yeah. you have time for yourself? Let's make sure you have time for friends. Let's make sure you have time for other things you want to do so that you're not just giving care all day long. And that's right. what's important. Yeah, I feel, you know, even if it's someone that they were super close to and they want to provide that, you know, time with them and care and love, it's it's important to make sure they're getting that time to themselves too and right not devoting every extra hour to sitting by grandma's bedside uh -oh. but kids like to help kids love to help people like to help that's that's the thing that's the really interesting thing about the difficulty many of us have in asking for help but the truth is most people like to help if somebody asks you to help them you know how does that feel if it's like, gosh, I hate it when people ask me to help. But most times people are like, if I can, I will. And so learning how to do that well is an important thing. And that's something you can help kids learn too, is how to ask for the help they need and mm -hmm. um, by modeling that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say that, um, you know, dementia or Alzheimer's is just starting to set in and your kids are still relatively young. Like, how do you explain that to them? How do you help them understand that, you know, grandma, grandpa, whoever is going to need a little more help, or you might have to answer the same question five times. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. There are a lot of ways that we can help kids understand that. So I really love to um, recommend children's books, because I think that's a great way to help kids kind of see things. It's it kind of, it's a little bit of distance to be able to talk from a story point of view, and then relate it back to a child, right, to, to a, a person that they love. Um, shameless plug um, i'm a member of a group called al's authors alz authors and all of the books are written by people who've been on a dementia journey and they have a number of children's books and one in particular is called, that i love is called weeds in nana's garden and it really talks about a grandmother who used to go out and do gardening with her grand grandchild and pulling weeds and now mom is having to help this child understand now Nana has some weeds in her memory. She's, it's hard for her to, because this is what Alzheimer's does. There's little plaques in the brain and it's hard for Nana maybe to get through the weeds and think about things the way she used to and communicate so she might sound different. She might ask you the same question a lot of times, but her love for you hasn't changed. And so we just need to connect with her differently. Um, yeah. But helping kids know you're safe you're not going to catch this um, and how can we best interact so um, another book i love and, and i think you can find it online it's called mackenzie meets alzheimer's and it has um 
some songs with it and some other things. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple really good books out there I love. So well, that's great. I love using books for like yeah. everything. We're in the hands are not for hitting stage around here right now. But yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, books are always a great tool to have in your, you know, toolkit to help kids understand just about anything in life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of on a similar topic, you know, we've talked about how to explain when they're starting to have that memory loss, but what about after, unfortunately, our, you know, caregiving time has come right. to an end and we have to explain what has happened now. Uh, how do we explain death to kids? Right. So, um, and I do talk about this in my book. I think what's so important is that we're really honest with kids um, about death. Uh, you know, with someone under the age of two or so, they may not fully understand. So we don't have to use a lot of words and we, they might not even remember after a year or so little things, <clears throat> keeping memories alive with pictures and videos and things like that. That's super great. Uh, but I, but it's important to be clear that it is, that this is normal and it's natural and it happens in anything that's living, we're, we're probably going to lose a pet that we love. I'm not probably, I shouldn't say probably, we're going to. See how I even dance around it. It's hard to say it. But the thing is, we it's just normal and natural. And that's what's important to talk about. It's important to make sure kids know it's final. I think it's really important not to use things like, well, grandma just went to sleep. Because then the thing is grandma didn't go to sleep she died she's not going to wake up and if you tell a child something like that they're going to worry every time you go to sleep this is not healthy so we don't want to, we don't want to do that um a lot of and, and in different cultures we talk about death differently uh, a lot of people use the phrase passed away if in your culture passed away is something that you all know means you're not coming back that's fine to use that but if it's too vague be really clear they grandma won't be coming back, but that's normal and natural. And here's, here's what we can remember about her. And we're going to keep her yeah. alive in our hearts. Um, I think one of the things that can happen is, um, when a child loses someone very young, it can feel really hard, but children are incredibly resilient. Um, yeah. sometimes the first loss they have is a pet. So, you know, you can talk about, you know, how our fish died, you know, our cat died, um, but we still remember them and we still love our cat or our dog or um, what have you. Um, but it's important to just be very clear. I think that's the, the difficult thing is being unwilling to talk about it with a child yeah, or, or having it be too mysterious, but emphasizing how it's normal and natural. And it's just part of the life process. Um, and then yeah. thinking about ways to keep love alive in your heart for someone who is no longer alive. And that is possible. Yeah. And it, it definitely can be a hard, you know, conversation to have because chances are someone you were very close to, uh, yeah. maybe even closer than the, the child was. And so, of course, it turns into kind of a emotional topic and it can. it's hard to have that conversation, but I'm, it's you know, very hard it's and it's important. And it's important too, that if you can't, if you can't right now, yeah, <laughs> find those people who can help your child hear it and, and explaining to children, I cry when I think about, you know, my, um, my mom, when I talk about her and it's, 
and I am sad, but I won't be sad so much that I can't love you and can't take care of you. Um, and it's normal and natural to be sad. It's normal and natural to feel this way. We won't feel this bad all the time. And that doesn't mean that we didn't love somebody. If we, we like, we're still allowed to be happy right now too. You know, there might be fun things going on. Listen, somebody might die one day and your child has a birthday party on Saturday. I mean, they can still go and be happy. It's okay. It's again, it's normal and natural. And so, but we, we feel weird about it, right? We're like, oh, I feel guilty being happy, but it's like, we're allowed to have every feeling. We just, yeah. they're feelings. We're okay to have them. Yeah. yeah. So we were recently kind of in this uh, situation toward between like being happy in a sad time, you know, um, my kids are one and three and they went to visit my parents. They were having like an, a, a weekend away at grandma's and on Saturday they went over to my grandmother's, so their great grandmother's, and she lived with her sister, uh, my great aunt. They went over there. They were playing with them on Saturday and um unfortunately on sunday my great aunt passed away she yeah she was 94 i think and you know had a silent heart attack overnight and and that was that and you know it was a little i was 4 hours away and i was like oh my gosh i need to be there right now like my kids can't be there and that how everybody is so sad and grieving and they don't want kids running around and and my mom was like no actually it has been really great because they are providing a little bit of comedic relief sometimes that's Um, right you know because I was like oh it's a sad situation we don't need any we don't need the happy kids there you know but it it was actually it was kind of nice for some of you know my grandmother and the people who were so sad in that moment of course to have yeah. the kids around and it helped Absolutely. my kids understand well my daughter's one she doesn't have a clue right. what's going on but right 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 but my son you know he was like but I was just playing with her yesterday and yeah. you know so we had to have that conversation and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. tell him you know well she's gone now but you know we can still remember her and be happy and then he's worried that her sister you know my grandmother he's like but Mimi is so sad I said yeah she's gonna be sad that's her sister and you know they've lived together and been together their whole life and it's okay for her to be sad but she'll still want to be have fun and play with you too and he's like exactly yeah Yeah. and well first I'm so sorry for your loss that is very hard and shocking and um yeah and and but you you print you bring up a really beautiful point and that is you know, life goes on. And Mm -hmm. if you think about it, when anyone dies, there are living left behind. So the living continues too, right? Yeah. And so we have to continue living. And that means having all of the emotions that come to us and that it's okay. Having a fun day doesn't mean we didn't love this person. It means we're alive. And wouldn't they want us to most of most people would want us to go on and have you know happy lives so yeah um it's it's important to help kids understand that but yeah sometimes kids can be a great distraction and and so somebody who's grieving it's like it's good for me to see you being alive and having a wonderful time and while i feel this great loss i can also see how much life is precious and wonderful yeah Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Um, so if people want to find you or learn more about you and your book, where can, where can we find you at? 
You can find me at christyyates.com and my and Christy spelled like a gazillion different ways. Um, my way, <laughs> is, my way is C H R I S T Y, last name Y A T E S dot com. So christyyates.com. You can find my book there. It's also on Amazon. It's available as a paperback, as an ebook, and uh, on Audible. And you can also buy it online at any other bookstore. So it's available through Barnes and Noble online, those kinds of places. So if you need to find it there, you can find it. And and on my website, I talk about different services I have. I have a caregiver support group, and um, and I also do a lot of educational workshops for companies, and that's what I really enjoy doing. So yeah, check it out. That's great. And I'll be sure to put all of those links in the show notes as well. But thank you so much for coming on and for chatting with us today. I think this is a a super important topic for parents, even if we're not uh, finding ourselves in this situation yet. Um, I think it sounds, it sounds like it's really important to kind of plan ahead um, and have those conversations and, you know, be ready for it because eventually it's probably a situation we will all be in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all coming. It's all full circle of life, right? We've yeah. got to look at it. So thank you very much, Courtney. Absolutely. I really thank appreciate you. the opportunity. I hope you enjoyed this chat with Christy. Be sure to check her out at christyyates.com if you'd like to learn more about the sandwich generation. And I will also add links to the resources that she mentioned, the books that we've talked about in the show notes. Until next time, take care.